not just the participants in the group that are changing. It's like we as co-facilitators and leadership staff, we are being impacted and changed right alongside of them. You know, because we're stretched, I mean, sometimes they make decisions that um, are disappointing to us. But you know, when those times happen, I mean, I'm reminded of how often have I disappointed the Lord, you know, and His mercy and grace is new every morning. Hey everyone, welcome to the Living Free podcast, the audio companion to Living Free located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're a nonprofit organization that provides churches and ministries with small group training and discipleship programs to help people overcome life controlling problems and find wholeness in Jesus. On this week's episode, Living Free President Dan Strickland speaks with Jerry Leach. She's the executive director of Jail Chaplains in Fargo, North Dakota. Jail Chaplains provides living free groups for the incarcerated in their community, offering hope and pointing participants to Jesus. They're doing some really incredible work, and Jerry gives us some of the highlights and things happening in her organization, a really cool story about how she learned about Living Free, and about how Living Free groups are helping individuals reintegrate upon their release. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. We really hope you enjoy this conversation between Dan and Jerry. Tell us a little about yourself and the ministry there. Okay, absolutely. So my name is Jerry Leach, and I have the privilege of serving as the executive director for a nonprofit ministry called Jail Chaplains in Fargo, North Dakota. So Jail Chaplains was started, um, the foundation of it was started about 40 years ago um, when a local pastor started volunteering with the sheriff's office, the Cass County Sheriff's Office. And the ministry uh, and relationship has grown since then. Myself, um, I joined Jail Chaplains as the executive director uh, in 2013. And um, prior to that, I had spent 27 years working for a regional seed company And then I spent six years uh, working at the Salvation Army. And when I look back, um, it's amazing to see how God has used all of that lived experience um, in what I do today. And so um, it's very exciting. I mean, it might not sound like those different areas of life would be connected, um, but they truly are. So it's very exciting. Well, good. So how long have you been at the helm? You may have said that, and I just spaced it. I have um, been with jail chaplains for eight years. Um, And this will be, um, so when I first started with the ministry, Chaplain Sanyu, who had been with the ministry for probably about 12 years at that time, one of the first things he said to me was, he felt like he was sending 12-year-olds four-year-olds, excuse me, felt like he was sending four-year-olds out into the community when they were released from jail. And the reason he said that was people can come to the jail chaplain's programs in the jail and they accept Jesus into their life and they 
they want to live for him. But when they got out, they didn't know anyone that lived their faith. And so they really had no idea how to do it. And so um, at that point, our ministry was really weak on walking with people out into the community. And so that was a real need um, that we saw and uh, really, frankly, didn't quite know how to meet that. We tried a number of different um, things. We tried a mentoring program and um, just really struggled to kind of get things um, going. And then it was the spring of 2016 was late March and the opioid drug crisis hit Fargo-Moorhead. And I want to say within a three or four week period, six or eight young men died of drug overdoses, um, heroin laced with fentanyl. And it really rocked our community. And in that process, there were some community forums that were held just to um, engage the community and um, really inform the community. And in that process, law enforcement basically came to the faith community and said, we need your help. We can't arrest our way out of this. And it was then U.S. Attorney Chris Myers who made that statement first. And then that kind of became a, man a mantra. And I wondered what that meant to him. And so a few days later, I called him and said, you know, when you include faith community in a list of people that need to be involved in amongst law enforcement, healthcare, treatment providers, businesses, schools, organizations, and he included the faith community. So I said, what does that mean to you? And his response was really pretty profound, I thought. And he said, well, I think the church is an extension of the family nucleus. So if they have a strong family, the church is an extension of that. And if they don't, the church can become their family. And I thought, wow, that's, that's incredible. So then I asked him if he would tell a group of pastors that, if we could get a group of them together. And he's like, sure. So that's kind of how um, I guess the need for the faith community to respond together, that plea was made from law enforcement here in, in Fargo-Moorhead. So that was in May of 2016, and it was later that summer that someone first mentioned Living Free to me. And we started to look at the model, and it's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is exactly what we need. I mean, we've been trying to figure out what to do, but here was this model that at that point was, I think, 25 years old. It had been established, it had been uh, tested, and it was like, it was so well laid out, it was like we could just implement it instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. 
That's very and interesting. So I- Excuse me, Jerry, that, you know, some of the things that you said really resonate because something similar happened in Chattanooga years ago when the district attorney and the chief of police came out to our office and they said to us, you know, we really need to get the churches involved into this community effort. He says, we have the same six to 8,000 people that clog up our courts, take 60% of our policing efforts, and they just come and they go around in a circle and there's no end to it. And they said, you know, if we don't, if we don't get the churches involved, you won't recognize this community in 20 years. And then uh, one of the other things they said to us was that, um, you know, we've got a lot of programs and we really don't need another program. We need something that will make these people new people. And, of course, we know what that is. I mean, you know, that's that's the gospel and the life transformation. But I I heard what you said with, you know, releasing people coming to the Lord in, in while they're incarcerated then returning uh, into the community and they don't know how to live it out. And so there's no connection between them and the church. They don't have any friends. And so they end up, you know, back in their old ways with their old friends. And I, I'm hearing you say that, you know, that living free was kind of fit that same need in your city in Fargo as it was doing here. And, uh, would you say that's a fair comment? Absolutely. In fact, uh, interesting that you say that because as part of my research in um, learning about living free, I actually called your office and talked to Greg and he just, he shared the same story that you just shared. And I was looking at the demographics of Chattanooga compared to the demographics in Fargo. And it's like there was so many things that were in common. And so that that also was part of um, part of the research and part of the mindset. And then from that connection, what grew, um, which is kind of interesting, and I guess we don't talk about it a whole lot. But um, so our jail administrator, um, he and I went to lunch one day. And I was telling him about the Living Free program and that I, you know, we were continuing to research it and look at it, um, but I really wanted to be able to bring it into the jail and then we could start it there and then we could, it would bridge into the community. So anyway, Captain Frobig said to me, well, my wife and I are going on vacation to Tennessee in about a month. And I'm going to be within three hours of Chattanooga. So if you hook me up, I would like to go to the jail in Chattanooga and see this Living Free program. And so our jail administrator actually saw the Living Free anger program in action in your jail before we ever did. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That is cool. So you've had a lot of support from uh, the officials as you have uh, launched the ministry or extended your own ministry using the Living Free uh, materials. And uh, Absolutely. So you had credibility, you know, with the system before then. Yeah, they had great respect for what um, we had. But it was also in that transition, you know, 
I think from in the eight years that I have been with jail chaplains, there's been a shift in expectation from our friends in the sheriff's office too. They're no longer just expecting us to minister to men and women in the jail. They realize that continuing to walk with them or being supporting supportive of them in the community is really what's going to keep them from coming back to jail. And so their expectation is that somehow we find a way to walk with people and continue to encourage them when they get out. And living free uh, has been a very valuable tool. I, we like to say that we have integrated living free into the existing jail chaplains ministry. And so, um, you know, one thing that's, that's really, really huge, um, and that's the training piece that's involved with the ministry as a foundational piece in the beginning. Pre-living free, we had about 20 volunteers that were going into the jail, helping us with programs, and they attended 16 different churches. We are two and a half years into living free being integrated, and we now have over 150 volunteers that have completed the living free training, and they attend 43 different churches. Wow. That's amazing. So in a, in a very practical sense, how does a, a person... I love the term you have for somebody that's that's being released uh, from jail or prison. Uh, you call them uh, returning citizens, and that is Correct. so wonderful. How does how does that process work work when somebody has been you've been working with them while incarcerated? How does the do they make that transition back into the community and connect with the congregation? Well, um, we're really intentional about that. So um, we have um, open groups in the community, open living free groups, which have, are the same topic as the groups that we're running in the jail. Now, bear, bear with me that when I talk about this, this is pre-COVID, okay? <laughs> and right. so we're, we're not able to do this right now. Um, we will get back to it. But so just if anybody's wondering, I wanted to clarify that point. So in the jail, we have been using the anger group for men and women. We have used stepping into freedom, uh, free to grow. And we have, we did one insight group. So basically we hand out brochures in the jail when they're getting out if they're attending the program in the jail, we give them a brochure that says, when you're in the community, on Monday nights, the men's anger group meets and you can go and join them. And when at all possible, we had one of the co-facilitators in the jail also co-facilitated that same group in the community. So it literally, the volunteer or staff person was able to say, come and join me at the library on Monday night. And I, I think that was a really big piece um, that's been helpful. Well, the making that transition is, is a big deal. Uh, 
because it's like it's an artificial world sometimes when you're you're behind bars and then when you get out it's can be quite intimidating and you don't know what those next steps should be or could be and so it's real easy to go back into those old patterns those old relationships those old um habits you know that formed and finding you know peace and comfort in things that aren't necessarily helpful to you but you know we've we see that you know when there's somebody on the outside that's had a relationship with somebody while they're on the inside and a group of people that are prepared you know to take them and to understand where they've been that is a huge thing and it is much easier for them to transition back into normal life Absolutely. And um, there are far more people that attend the programs in the jail than actually connect with the open group in the community. Hmm. I mean, it takes uh, commitment and consistency. And some weeks it was very discouraging early on. I mean, if it was one person or two people that came, but it really it's that consistency um, that we had to continue doing. And it's also continuing to reach out. And actually what we found is there's almost been like, they don't necessarily come and attend the groups on the outside right after they get out of jail. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes a month or six weeks down the road. And so my sense is that they kind of think they can do it on their own without. Uh And then it's like um, they start to realize that things, I mean, the old temptations are coming in stronger and they realize they need some support and then they reach out. Right. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Well, you know, what you guys do, I think, is a very strong model of what can happen uh, in communities across the country and around the world. And we've it's interesting because, you know, Living Free does not do the ministry. We try to discover ministries that are already operating or finding people that are interested in doing this particular kind of ministry and not just jail ministry. But, you know, a lot of times it involves jail ministry. And organize something in the community that really reaches people that are struggling with life's problems. And not all of them are incarcerated and not all of them are struggling with just alcohol and and, uh, substance abuse. But there are many other things that are holding people back in life. And so we were so excited to find you and, and that you found us, actually. And then we were able to make that connection. If you were... If you were to talk to yourself, if it were possible to go back in time and talk to yourself, when you first found out and you decided to start the ministry, incorporating the Living Free materials into your ministry, would you have any advice to that person? Um, Yes. And I'm just really, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, I am so thankful how God has led us through this. So the jail chaplain's board of directors made the decision to um, hire a part-time person to help us launch Living Free. So really stepped out in faith and invested some money to bring the model to Fargo-Moorhead. So the very first thing we did was 
two informational meetings for the pastors. And we realized that they needed to be aware of living free, but we also wanted to assure them that the goal was for it to be a lay led program, not for the, not to be an added burden for the pastors. Right. But we felt like we needed them to be aware of it and be a cheerleader. Okay. So we want you to know about this. You select some people in your congregation that you think would have an interest or passion for this. And then you step aside and let them take the training and organize the groups and work with us. So basically, um, and early on, I read in the Living Free Materials, it's really a discipleship program. Right. And so it was really helping to equip saints within the church um, to be more bold in reaching out to individuals with life controlling problems. So I think that was, that was really, really important. Um, an important first step that we did. Then um, it was also um, assuring people that we weren't, this was not going to be one church. It was going to be, the goal was for it to be multiple churches in the community and nobody was going to try to change the ministry in any church. We were just asking or inviting them to come and be a part of it. And so I think that made it easier for the, the pastors to uh, embrace it. And honestly, before the pastoral support, we had volunteers from multiple churches coming together. And so it was kind of as the volunteers learned, they took the message back to their church. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. We found out a long time ago that uh, our audience is usually lay people and not necessarily pastors um, because pastors have hard jobs and they extremely busy people. And when you come to them and you say, well, wouldn't you like to do something like this? And, you know, they, they may smile on the outside, but on the inside, I think they're saying, I just don't have time to do that. But when, well, actually, when a, one of the pastors came to me uh-huh. um, afterward and said, you know, when you first started talking to me about living free, I thought, man, I do not need another program. And <laughs> he's actually the, the, uh, care pastor. Uh-huh. It's a large congregation here in town. Mm-hmm. And so he said, it's really hard to start a new ministry. But he said, you didn't only talk to me about starting the ministry. You came to me and said, talked about it. And then said, these are the people within your congregation, within my congregation <laughs> that are already trained and they're willing to help you. Yes. And that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then another really, uh, really, really important piece is we have great community support. I mean, law enforcement, probation and parole, the healthcare system, uh, businesses and organizations. And a lot of that, well, number one, it's God's favor. But number two, I think because there are so many different churches involved, it makes it easier for them to embrace it mm-hmm. because they're not just sending people to one church. Right. 
So when when we as a faith community work together, um, well, maybe this isn't the right way to say, but it adds credibility. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure it does. I find, too, you know, when you have multiple churches involved, you've got in one church, you may have a judge and another, you may have the chief of police at another church. You may have the head of the corrections and you have the mayor at one. And, you know, they're spread over uh, a lot of congregations. And and when you are working with different congregations, you you have the opportunity to advance what you're doing more quickly and more effectively because they know you and they they know your reputation. Uh, if you go straight to the mayor and you say, we've got this thing that's, you know, and, and here's what we're going to do. They hear that all the time. Uh, but one of the one of the wonderful things uh, about the Living Free Alliance is that you can build what you're doing on the reputation of somebody that's already done it. And uh, you can you can go and say, well, we would like to do what's working in Fargo. And, uh, you know, and here are some of the people in Fargo that you can talk to. And they've been doing this and they do that. And we envision we would we would like to try to do something similar to that. And I think, you know, that helps. It goes a long way toward opening doors and having credibility with the people if they see a model that's really working. And that's why we're so excited about places like Fargo and leaders like you, Jerry, because, you are really blazing a trail in different places. And there are communities across America and around the world that are making a difference by engaging Christians in those communities and reaching out to the people in the community, and especially those that are hurting and struggling. And I don't believe that there's a, a thing that's closer to the heart of God than for God's people to be working and into. Uh, be ministering to people and engaging people in discipleship to follow Jesus and the the difference that a redeemed life makes and a life that is filled with God and his spirit and uh, and the promise of uh, of all the help, you know, that's available to us, you know, as we're walking with him. And like like the the one gentleman said to us uh, in that meeting here, he says, you know, we really need new people. And I believe that that comes with regeneration and a new life in Christ. And what a privilege it is to be on the front lines and seeing that happen. Oh my gosh. You know, just this morning, um, we're preparing for an event coming up here in October. And so we were visiting with um, a Minnesota correctional officer and he's been referring men to the living free small group, the anger group. And um, he was willing to speak on on video with us about that. And Dan, he was so excited. <laughs> I mean, he's like, how could I not send them, tell them about these groups? Uh-huh. Because he said, when I see them come back, that they're from that experience, when they finish it, they're different people. And like, I'm not going to use a name, but there was one of the men he referred had recently finished a 30-year prison sentence. And when he came back into the community, what you can imagine, I mean, he was very shameful and would hardly leave his room. And um, he was angry 
you know, and he started participating in this anger group. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been through it two and a half times now. <laughs> but this correctional officer said, when I see him now, he's smiling, he's engaged. Um, he goes for a walk around the neighborhood. Um, and, and he has friends. Yeah. You know, and I just think, wow, I mean, but if we don't, we don't meet people when they come back to a community like that, what chance do they have Right. of building a healthy life again, you know? Yeah. yeah. And the, the great thing about it is, is that when you're involving the churches and you're involving the community and people from the community are actually entering into the world that the prisoners live in every day, and you're there engaging with them at that level. When they come out, it's not like you're speaking to a stranger. Uh, you know, they they feel comfortable with you. You feel comfortable with them. And I can't think of there aren't many more things that are more gratifying than that. And meeting people where they are in one lifestyle and getting out and helping them to adapt to another one. And I think, you know, oftentimes the only way anybody ever gets ahead is through the relationships they have. And the biggest thing that hinders them from a life change and and starting anew is a lack of those good relationships. So, uh, you know, to me, what you guys are doing, you know, there is is just a beautiful example of of how that God came into the world and, and through Jesus, and he was one of us, you know, to show us the way. And uh, and that we're going to return, you know, and we're going to live with him forever. But we never would have started that had we not seen him. And if he had he not, you know, come in and, and lived among us. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is, it's not just the people, not mm-hmm. just the participants in the group that are changing. It's <laughs> like we as co-facilitators, and leadership staff, we are being impacted and changed right alongside of them. Right. You know, because we're stretched. I mean, sometimes they make decisions that um, are disappointing to us or um, kind of frustrating sometimes. But, you know, when those times happen, I mean, I'm reminded of how often have I disappointed the Lord, you know, and his mercy and grace is new every morning. Yes. And so, I mean, that's been, uh, if you ask our facilitators or the people that have been actively engaged in our ministry here, every one of them would tell you they have changed as much or more than any participant in their group, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that that's what God's trying to do to, for all of us. Right. It's like um, sanctifying us and making us more Christ-like and um, boots on the ground. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, Yeah, it, it happens, you know, and so it's just, it's incredible. And COVID has only added opportunities, you know, when it comes to, where people's mental health is at now mm-hmm. um, and the isolation that's taking place and stuff. And so there's even more need um, 
than there was before. Yes. And I would imagine where you live, the winters are long and hard. And a lot of people are <laughs> confined indoors anyway. <laughs> and uh, that has that is a breeding ground for all kinds of problems developing in a life. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, I it's such an honor to be able to speak with you and to know you and your team there in Fargo. Um, the time we spent with you up there was a highlight of the ministry that I have had. And seeing what God has done through the dedication of jail chaplains through many years. And then the privilege that we have just to share a little bit of what we have learned through the years with you. And see um, you and your team pick it up and, and develop something that is unique to your community. And is something uh, very strong and life-changing and I believe it has a, a community-wide impact as well as the churches and the pastors come along beside you. So thank you for uh, your service and the Lord's service and, and serving many people that society just doesn't seem to care about or has lost hope in. But we know that there's hope for everybody. And we know Amen. that there's no person that can't change with God's grace and, and redemption. And so we bless you and in your work and your team. It's, uh, it's great to know you. Is there anything you'd like to say as we uh, wrap this up? Well, I just say thank you to you and your team at Living Free, Dan. I mean, um, having access to the model, uh, to you, Connecting us with others around the country that are using uh, the ministry is really uh, encouraging. It gives us the opportunity to learn some things um, from through others without having to recreate the same um, painful experience <laughs> <laughs> as um, somebody else learned it. You know, I just think those are are wonderful um, things. And then I I just. I don't know of another ministry that gives as freely as living free. I mean, certainly we have an affiliate agreement and there's some expectations, but there, there is a lot of freedom in implementing it as best fits our community. And so that, um, I mean, you're just, you're gracious with your time uh, your knowledge, your prayers, knowing that you're praying for us. And um, we just really value the partnership and recognize it's it's God weaving it all together. This is not, um, we're not out there doing ministry on an island, I guess. Right. And we really do need each other. Uh, we don't, re we refer to what we do as, as making alliances, you know, with beginning ministries and also existing ministries. And I've learned through the years that we are far wiser and stronger when we work together than when we work alone. And we have so much to learn from other people and their experiences. So we've learned a lot from you, Jerry, and your team. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, we've been able to connect you with other people that are doing similar things and, uh, you know, there's a knowledge base and a wisdom that is growing among many ministries. And so I just want to uh, open the door. Any 
uh, groups. You know, if you if you need a place, we don't try to control anybody. We don't make you sign your life away or anything like that. It really is a fellowship and of independent ministries actually around the world, not just in the United States, that work together, pray together, and uh, share the information that we have together. And so if you're interested in, in being part of this alliance, just give us a call. You can find us at livingfree.org, and that is uh, on the, accessible anywhere in the world. And we will be glad to help you. And thank you again, Jerry, for what you do. Hey, you're welcome. Can I add one more quick story? Yeah, When sure. you talk about around the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like last year, um, so last October, we were doing uh, an annual fundraiser. It was a dessert social. And there was a gentleman from Ireland was here in town. And we had somewhat of a relationship with another person that he was working with. Anyway, they ended up at our dessert social. And afterward, he was just like, he could not believe the relationship between our ministry and law enforcement. And like, this would never happen in Ireland was his, his quote. And so um, a day or two later, we had lunch and he was asking all about living free. And so we were very free with the information. Anyway, long story short, I mean, it led to, they have now taken the living free training, right? Yes. And it's like, he had just before he came to the to the United States and Fargo, he had been invited to share his story in the, a maximum security prison in Ireland. And while he was here, the chaplain was having conversations with some of the leadership there. He was uh, John was back in Ireland, I want to say ten days. And that chaplain called him and said, could you come into our prison on a regular basis? <laughs> and could you bring a program? <laughs> Seriously. And I know. And that was the toughest prison in the country. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, uh, like God has gone before us. I mean, we were just like, you've got, I mean, okay. <laughs> Never doubt but God is working behind the scenes. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's great to see God put things together like that. And uh, Well, thanks, Jerry. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Living Free Podcast. And thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Living Free, how to start a group, order material, or make a donation, please visit livingfree.org.